Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And you are welcome along to a bizarro episode of the Huddle Breakdown where we have Enda Cole's return, at least temporarily, but I'm still stuck with this hosting gig. I don't know what the heck's going on here. Um, but welcome, Enda and uh, Alan Morrison from Celtic by Numbers. We're here today to review the uh, interesting weekend that was uh, the game at Motherwell and some fireworks across the city. Um, and then we'll do a quick little um, look ahead to Lazio for tomorrow. Uh, Wednesday in the Champions League. But before we get into that, uh, and I think you wanted to touch upon um, some breaking news as of today. Yeah, so um, just to explain what's going on at the minute uh, with the podcast. So I'm, I, I've just had to swap the host chair for the co-hosting chair. So I've got my spreadsheets out. Um, I shagged them earlier on and I'm just crunching up the numbers now. Um, to figure out what my opinion is going to be on this football matter. But um, Tom Rodgick retired from football altogether. I think, it, I mean, after he left Southampton, he may as well have retired as well as uh, going to West Brom. But for me, Alan, I know you are a fan of that type of player as well, if not uh, more skeptical of its uh, limitations and what it, it brings to an overall structure of a team. But I think for me, Tom Rodgick has been my favourite player of Celtic in the modern era and I'm when I say modern era I mean probably post uh, Martin O'Neill Celtic uh, is what the modern era of Celtic is to me because that's what I grew up with and Tom Rodgick to me is the type of player that I would have 11 of them in the team if I could if I could if I thought that you'd get away with it because he's the um he's the perfect football player he's just so classy on the ball elegant on the ball has the guts to come up with big moments when Celtic needed him, as was proven in the Scottish Cup as well. And he just had, like, probably an underappreciated footballer uh, for most of his time, uh, not by Celtic fans, but by the overall football community. I would say Tom Radjic is probably one of the most criminally underrated players um, over the last 10 years that have has played in Scotland. Uh, Alan, I, I think you are a fan as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's just 
you just certain players you just love love to watch and and you just love the moments they give you and you know it, it's it's a little bit I suppose like how a lot of fans are currently enamored with with Rio Hotatu because he gives these beautiful moments these wonderful pieces of skill that we we all that's why we we, we kind of love the game um I saw Tom Rogic end of last season it was when Sheffield United won promotion clinched promotion to the Premier League and I was sat right in more or less the front row uh Bramall Lane and Rogic was was warming up um for West Brom he was within you know almost touching distance and it was sad to see because the guy he warmed up at the beginning he warmed up at half time and he never got on the pitch and it's a really sad way for him to to end his career but tellingly you know in his in his Instagram and in his social media post today he pretty much focused 100% on on Celtic uh, that really was where he made the bulk of his career and, you know, he, he made nearly 300 appearances. He won, you know, over 10 trophies at Celtic in that time, as well as over 50 caps for Australia. I was a bit, a bit surprised by that. But uh, yeah, that's fantastic. Appeared in, in more than one World Cup, I'm pretty sure. So, so all in all, you know, to, for a player who did have injury problems, who, again, if you re we remember back, was sort of the kind of player that, when he did get injured and he did come back, it took him an awful long time to kind of get back up to, to full fitness and full speed. He, he was quite a big guy. He didn't seem to, his body seemed to take a long time to kind of um, get back to full functionality. But when we saw Rogic at his best, when he was, you know, on form, fully fit, yeah, he was he was just fantastic. Because he was that, un, he was on that unlikely athlete. He was a big guy, maybe 6'2", reasonably kind of heavy frame, but with a beautiful touch and, I know he, you know, you hate left footers, Ender, but I think left footers just look more elegant naturally than than right footers do. Um, and he had that about, and, and just you know, in terms of again, the, the sort of almost the Rio Hitati sort of um, syndrome of, you know, how many big moments did he give us? How many moments that you will always remember as a Celtic fan? I mean, just off the top of my head. A winning goal at Kilmarnock when the, you know the league campaign was stuttering, and to give Celtic a one 0 win, two absolute screamers uh, against uh, you know Ibrox, and then of course you know the the, the, the treble winning goal uh, against Aberdeen in the Scottish Cup final. I mean, I still to this day cherish that moment. My, my eldest son and my daughter were literally doing a huddle, dancing around the front room when that went in for for quite <laughs> some time. It was just a you know tears in our eyes. It was just a, a, a magic moment, and that's all down to. To, to, the, to the big Aussie so uh, sad that he's giving up at 30 but listen you know he, he's prioritizing his life it's great that he's in a position to do that and wish him and his family all the best and just a just a final point on him as well I would say that uh, one of the things that stands out to me outside of like on the pitch stuff is that interview that he did uh, post-match I think it was last season or maybe the year before where he was asked about Celtic being on top and whether or not they could hold out until the end of the season. And he was just so forthright about, well, I mean, we've been the top team over the last 10 years. It's up to them to prove that they can catch us. We've proven that we can do it. It's up to them to put us off the person. I think that gives us a real insight into a quiet person like Aaron, like he's sort of like the Aaron Moy character where he was quite reserved, wasn't really in the front of your mind most of the time. But then when you actually got to hear him speak for once, um, it, he really gave you some insight into the type of mentality that he has. And I, I think that he's the exact type of mentality and player that Celtic should be looking to bring into the club. And, um, you know, I know there are 
different, more athletic and faster and stronger and better players than Tom Rogic. But I think um, ultimately, like that's the type of character that you want at Celtic. So, uh, yeah, I'm very sad to hear that he's he's retiring. I, I wish he re- retired at Celtic, to be honest. But here, what can you do? If I, I'll just throw in two two, two quick comments. One is um, again to be the uh, spreadsheet shagger is uh, one of the things that stood out with Rogic um, that that does even differentiate him from a a Hatate is that, you know, his average quality of creativity was very high. And and that's, you know, when so his ability to pick out those passes, uh, those through balls around the box um, to set up teammates. I mean, he had that um, that extra level of vision and anticipation. um, So that I I think from a skill set that was always you know, kind of the magic of, of Rogic and, and just from a, from a personal standpoint, pro- probably, I mean, above and beyond the events that you guys mentioned that are, that are certainly memorable. I, I'm going to always remember um, those first few months under Ange when both him and Turnbull were asked to do something that they really shouldn't have been asked to do. Um, and they both, and I, and I think particularly Rogic, uh, the consensus, including myself would have been, there's no way he's going to be able to do that at a, at a proficient level, let alone a high level. And I think he actually did. I thought he really, um, you know, uh, 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 was able to deliver and produce and perform, not only stay healthy, which had been, a, you know, an issue, uh, but to do it with a style, he, you know, had really cut down on his weight. You could see, I mean, he was running. Um, so to play that kind of attacking midfield role as an eight under Ange and to do all the pressing work and the defensive work, I just thought it was, um, you know, r- really a tremendous way for him to, him to, to conclude his um, Celtic time. So, yeah, I'll always, always be um, fondly remembered for, for that as well as the, the other obvious events. Yeah, 100%. What, what, what's with this amateur hour? You're key punching? Put yourself on mute. Oh, you know, sorry. See, I'm going to oh, – if I you're going to put me in charge of hosting, if you're going to put me in charge of hosting, I'm not going to put up with that nonsense, Enda. Especially well, with you we, being in England, we, let the viewers know. He's either doing work emails or he's, he's, he's in the market for the Rangers' next manager and he's putting putting bets on. Maybe <laughs> well, I, I should actually probably let people know why uh, why you're hosting and I'm not. I'm, I'm currently in London, so I don't have my current equipment. I have to drop off this call in about 10 minutes. And I was actually doing a little bit of producing work I was writing a message into our private group chat here to let you know oh. uh, a little a little secret, but I'm not going to let the the viewers know that. So I'll, I'll I'll finish that message. I'll put myself on mute before I finish that message. But will we talk about Mickey Beal Piran Michal is no longer with us? Um, well, we will we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah, you got to get your shot in here. But well, let, let's do the review of the Motherwell game first, and then we'll get to the um, the Alan Morrison victory tour. Uh, where he spikes the yeah. ball, as we say in America. Um, but yeah, let, let's let's go over Motherwell. Um, Alan, if you want to start with kind of your analytical assessment of uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, since I'm hosting, <laughs> that's how I'm going to frame it. Um, obviously, the glorious ending, but uh, there was a lot of not so glorious on the way to get there. Yeah, listen, end of the day, you've got it's, it's a it's a, such a memorable game because of how it ended and what was actually. A pretty prosaic performance up until the last sort of you know ten minutes of playing time, you know turned and turned and turned really turned into um, you know an absolutely incredible finish 
with two late goals, um, the nature of it, the timing of it, all of that. And then just the way, it, I, 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 I actually, I do wonder to what extent that Celtic winner, um, you know, accelerated the events over at Ibrox, meaning, you know, if Motherwell, had, for example, got a draw, I do wonder if that really would have made, made, you know, kept, kept Mickey going for another week at least. But yeah, we'll, we'll get on to that. But um, so, so in, in some respects, it was a sort of, um, you know, an epochal game in that respect. And may, maybe maybe it is one of these games that, you know, we will only remember the result and we'll only remember the manner of it. But obviously, you know, I, I'm here to be slightly dull and look at the performance that sits underneath it. And, and you know, I have to say it wasn't it wasn't good <laughs> in many respects. And, and actually, we've talked about the defence a lot. Oh, anyway, and, and rightly so in terms of, you know, the the, the depth and and the uh, the adjustments being made and players not being fit and coming back from injury and down to seventh eighth choices or whatever centre back and Joe Hart and and those issues and you know but actually today or 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 for this game it was more the attack that I was concerned about or um, and especially from the wide areas I think you know the the. The, 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 we're just not replaced Jota really, and neither are we replacing Abada um, in terms of you know wing play and productivity. Um, I, I said before when we had Maida and Jota as the wingers, you had a really lovely balance of speed uh, and directness and pressing intensity and counter pressing and work up right off the ball and tracking back and all that on one side, and then you had just a complete box of tricks somebody who's going to try take risks but the reward from those risks was high you know there was quality there quality shots quality deliveries yes there was an awful lot of things that sailed over the bar and went wide and all that sort of thing but with Jota you you, you got end product as well mixed in with all that and he kept a whole defense on their toes and he was hungry for the ball and he wanted the ball and his technique was good he could take the ball in any height any speed and he could then do something with it and you know then we had a bada who would come on and, and do something again generally produce something whose whose numbers remain outrageous even even compared to jota and now you know we don't have we, we don't have a, a jota or a bada we've still got maida and we've got a sort of a lot of new guys um and in fact you know listen remember james forrest bless him we love james but you know, last season there was no argument that James was fifth choice winger, right? After Haksabanovic, after Jota, Maeda, Abada, um, you know. So, and suddenly now you're bringing them on at half time because you know your new guy is just just nowhere near being up to speed in terms of the physicality, the intensity, decision making, etc. You know, we've been we've been, and this has been something that's been building for a few weeks now. Our you know our quality in the final third the I worked out that we're we're about half the productivity in terms. I say productivity. I really mean goal threat and creating creation threat as measured by expected assists and expected goals. We're about half the level we were at last season with the players that we've got. That's a huge drop off in uh, in capabilities and in, and in threat that we're producing there. And then of course that has a knock on effect. That knock on effect is that you don't get Kyogo in the game. How many chances did he have? You know, he was really, you know, snapshots from outside the box is about as good as it's getting. He's not getting anything in that sweet spot across the 
edge of the six-yard box. Nothing. When was the last time you saw Kyogo with a shot from inside the six-yard box? I can't even remember the last time he did that. It was a few games ago, anyway. So, and then and then you add into that the fact that again we come back to the midfield. So the most forward play, most forward most player is Hitati. And again, you know, Hitati is has whether it's through injury and is working his way back, whether it's form or whatever it is. But again, it just adds to that sort of wastefulness in the final third. So all in all, as a team, um, we're just not producing. Uh, and actually, it was the two fullbacks, it was Johnson and Taylor, that provided most of the the, uh, the 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 attacking threat in terms of creating things at the weekend. And and actually, it was it was Taylor, McGregor, and O'Reilly that dragged the team over the line. If you look at the contributions uh, of those three, they far outweighed anyone else on the pitch so yes it was great fun it was amazing we'll remember it all but there's some you know it's really tricky at the moment in the in these positions and i do wonder you know yang yang to me looks i'll be honest a long 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 way short of a celtic first team player at the moment i'm not writing him off he may develop he may settle he's a young kid he's in a very foreign country etc um but chucking him into these games it's not it's not helping him i don't think palmer i think he's going to take a bit of time to get up to speed i know he scored that goal we can talk about whether it was a cross or a shot or what have you he, he put in a couple of good crosses but again he looks like he needs time and of course he does so in terms of you know in lieu of not having a badder uh how does celtic move forward i i do think you know that Amaida is even less, his numbers are even worse than last seasons, and he's probably had the worst numbers of all the wide players and forwards in terms, again, of threat. I know we got all the other stuff, that's why he plays, because all the other stuff is incredible and it's the elite level, but I'm just talking about the attacking threat stuff. So what do you do? What do you do with all that? I mean, I do think there is a case for a, some kind of 4-4-2 diamond, get an extra body in midfield. We've got, you know, we can increase the quality by swapping out a winger and bringing in a Turnbull or a home or a Bernardo, one of those, whatever. I think we've got decent depth in that position. And then having Maida and Kyogo, who are both can both pull wide, can both play through the middle. Uh, and Kyogo can, can play as a 10 almost. Uh, Maida can be the one that goes in behind. There's lots of you know variation there with that. I do wonder if that maybe is a, is a way forward in the short term until mm. we get wingers up to speed. Because to me, there's, a, there's, a, there's an absolutely gaping, gaping uh, chasm of a gap in our capabilities at the moment in the wide areas. Well, I think, Alan, to just add to that, I think the injuries do come into that. And I, I would hold fire on the we haven't replaced Yota until Marco Tellio is fit and ready and in the first team, because I do believe that Maybe. he is, he is <laughs> yeah. he, from everything that I've read and, and heard people speak about him, he is going to be uh, similar, similar to Jota, if not exactly the same but i think he also if he does turn out to be as good as what people are saying he opens up the opportunity for Celtic to change their formation and get players into better positions i think the problem with Atate is that he's sort of what you would call a, a tweener at the minute he's not very he's not quite a number eight he's not quite a number six and he's not quite a number 10 i would say he's probably weakest as number 10 creatively um, I, I don't think that's where he does his best work. I don't think Katate does his best work in tight spaces. I think he does his best work on the half turn, getting the ball and driving Celtic up the pitch a little bit. So getting him deeper into the midfield would be better. And Matt O'Reilly is the creative spark in the midfield for Celtic this season, goal scoring and assists. Um, 
So I think when Celtic have a fully fit team, I don't think they'll be playing a 4-3-3. I think Kyogo's too isolated with that. We don't have the quality, like you said, on the wing to get Kyogo into the into the game as much. Um, so I think there will be a change in formation when everyone's fully fit that will, like you said, get Maeda further forward in central positions and not on the ball as much, get Kyogo on the ball more and hopefully get Tilio into the team as well and get O'Reilly and Hatate into their stronger positions in the midfield. So I look, I look at this result as sort of like the Ross County game that Anthony Ralston scored the last minute goal against last year. I know it was later in the years in December that he scored that, but in a similar vein, it does the exact same thing. It piles on the pressure on the other side of the, the city. The manager's now gone. That could end up being bad for Celtic, granted, but I think it, the momentum switch that Celtic can get from that is that they didn't have a full strength team. They started a couple of players uh, that may not be starting this week in the Champions League. And instead of coming out with a stodgy result, they've pulled a last minute winner out of the bag before going into the Champions League. So uh, I'm, I'm, I do share your frustration around the, the overall performance. Um, I'm not downplaying it, but I also think that the result and the manner of the result in terms of what it does for the actual dressing room and the the feeling in it could be bigger than going out and you know hammering uh, Motherwell six 0 Yeah, I, I think. Um, what, what's your timeline here, and and uh, so I can uh, manage around. Got like five minutes. Five, five minutes, minutes of my okay. time. Yeah. So, so uh, well, thank you for that. Uh, we're honored, but. Um, I think, yeah, if I look at the good news that comes out of the game, um, one of them was that I thought Scott Bain was fine. Um, and I, I think and I had a sleeping suspicion of this. Uh, I didn't voice it, but um, I don't think there's a material difference in performance between him and Hart, most likely, uh, at this stage of Hart's career, meaning that I don't think it's anywhere near the golf that uh, probably most people in the support would be concerned about. I'm not saying he's a better keeper. I'm just saying that it's probably like a, as as, as I would say to my wife, Maso Menos, right? She's a, a native Spanish speaker, and that's that's the extent of my uh, language skills. So you know, kind of plus or minus. You know, not not a huge difference one way or the other. And I thought he was fine. He made a, you know his good save. Um, I think probably against type uh, and expectation, given he's the more kind of athletic. Um, uh, younger keepers he, 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 the evidence uh is he's actually worse off the line if you can believe that coming for balls um on crosses so that he, that didn't get tested that much um but other than that yeah shot stopping and um you know just general keeper play is within range of of where hard is at this point in his career at least that's my view so that that's the good news is that he he had a a, a pretty good game um the, the other thing i'm gonna i'll i'll provide some other context for what Alan's been saying. Cause I'm, I'm a little more concerned on uh, the attacking side. Uh, and I had actually written a column about it about a month ago um, is that if, and we're now several games further along, if you look at the first seven league games this season and you kind of benchmark it in recent history, um, the, you know, when you look at um, non-penalty XG differential, you look at, um, uh, you know, the amount that we're creating. And I think that's to Alan's point, that's the real concern here. We expect the defense to get better as we get healthier. Um, 
but we kind of have what we have outside of Tilio in attack, at least until January. And the drop-off there has been dramatic. And so if you benchmark these, what we've done in the first seven games this season on those metrics that I mentioned are analogous to the worst of the beginning of the 18-19 season when we had a bunch of players downing tools and, you know, the kind of the worst of the the summer of, of angst around the belly leaving and, uh, um, you know, kind of the China Rogers nonsense that went on. Um the, that period and then the worst of 2020, 2021, <laughs> you know, kind of we lost to St. Mirren and Lennon gets sacked. That's that's where we're at. I mean, those are really the two periods um, when you look at the underlying metrics. And probably another way to frame this is that during the seven, first seven games, which, by the way, we haven't played hearts or hibs yet as well, um, the average XG per shot, we have a negative differential right now. So we we're you know rounding like 0.1. We're normally at 0.12 or better, um, and the opposition has about 0.11. So I, I like I said, I, I fully expect our ability to to suppress opposition chances um, to to improve materially. But even if it improves materially, we're still in a range that over. You know the remaining or remainder of the season, thirty-one games, that there's likely to be a a material amount of points dropped just with normal randomness, uh, normal you know kind of variance. Um, now that's where the the seven point lead already helps, meaning that that, that those are in the bank. Um, so that's the good part. But yeah, I, I think some of the issues that Alan uh, broached that were evident once again against Motherwell, because again, Motherwell did not. Bunker, you know, that's been the nice part about going to Motherwell is under multiple managers for the most part, they don't bunker. And actually they tried to play out from the back. And and from the first hour of the game, we created almost nothing unless they screwed up playing out from the back. Um, so, you know, even that contextually within that game, that's why what I found most alarming about the game is that we really didn't create much until late, which we tend to do because of the subs and, you know, all the things that Alan's eloquently addressed over the years. Um, so that's, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit more concerned, but um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see as that uh, progresses. Let's before end of leaves, let's, let's, we'll stick a pin in that uh, Motherwell game and we'll, we'll um, move on to um, the comedic aspect of the weekend. Um which which was the, the 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 fun on the other side of the city. So Alan, let's defer to you if you have a brief comment so we can get Alan in. But you're you're really the number one um, member of the Michael Beal fan club. Uh, so what what are your you know kind of short thoughts on or quick <laughs> yeah, thoughts yeah. on on this development? I think I think I said um, more or less on the day or that he was appointed. That you know. My first impression was he's an arrogant, supercilious prick, and I've never had any reason to uh, <laughs> dispel that view. I mean, the way that he left Queens Park Rangers was was an absolute disgrace, I thought. And if that was the the nature of the man, then you know that I, I just don't think you do business with people like that. And 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 so it proved. Um, so you know, listen, I'm absolutely devastated that he's gone. <laughs> I really am. Um, you know, it adds a bit of chaos and what have you. But yeah, I'd much rather he'd he'd stayed. Um, but 
yeah, I mean, listen, it was ridiculous. They, they were in a situation where any drop point, any loss, or even a draw, I mean, even a even a narrow win was 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 getting the uh, the, the locals revolting <laughs> more than normal. Um, so yeah, it, it was it was a hopeless situation in that regard. So I guess it couldn't it couldn't go on much longer. But uh, yeah, listen, let, I'll let Ender have 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 his say. And then- well, um, I know that the any any fans from the other side of Glasgow will really appreciate me using a couple of fuckle as Gaelge because I know they they really like that. But there's um there's an old saying in Irish which is "is minic a vreshin bell for a shrone," which in English translate to translates to "it's often a man's mouth that breaks his nose," and I think that pretty much sums up Mickey Beale and his tenure at Rangers because he came in, he spoke and spoke and spoke and spoke. I wouldn't stop speaking. And I mean, like just running his mouth about absolute nonsense. And I think I'm fine with a manager like Jose Mourinho, who is mouthy and funny and charismatic, but (laughs) Michael Beale was none of those things. And he wasn't successful as a manager. Um, and I've no doubt that he's actually a decent coach. I've he wouldn't have made it to this point in his career if he wasn't. And he's worked under some serious uh, managers as well who wouldn't have had him around if he wasn't a good coach. But a good coach doesn't make a good manager. And I think um, that has been proven with Michael Beale here. Uh, just to sum it all up, I think Michael Beale's character can be summed up with um, his appearance in Ibrox um, in the boardroom when Gio Van Bronckhorst was under the most severe pressure and he turned up to a Rangers game. And most people in the profession will tell you that, like in managers, that is not something that you do to another manager if he's under pressure for his job. You do not turn up and watch. If you are one of the favourites to take that job, you should not be in the stadium before he uh, he leaves uh, the club. So uh, Michael Beale did that. He joined the club and he had the exact same impact as Gio Van Bronckhorst, a worse impact as Gio Van Bronckhorst, even because at least Gio got them to the Europa League final. So um, I'm actually sad that Michael Beale's gone, mainly because he was so, so easy to hit. And I I like that in a Rangers manager. I don't I don't like I don't like having indifference towards Rangers managers. I like being able to hit him and Michael Beale was Ender, Ender. so easy to do that. Sorry, and wait till you meet Neil Warnock. <laughs> I mean I kind of love Will Neil Warnock in many ways, so oh, no. I, I will struggle with him. Like I, I, I like, I, I like that type of manager who's just like, there's no, there's no bones about him. You know what he is. So, um, if it was Neil Warnock, I'm praying for Frank Lampard because that is just the easiest, uh, <laughs> the easiest one over the next couple of months. Uh, it's just going to be delightful if he joins Rangers, but I don't think they can afford Frank's wages to be honest. Well, uh, I think with that, we're going to sign you off, Enda, if we're going to transition here and let you go to whatever important things in your life that you have to be doing that's more important than this, which is a real, you know, come on. But Well, I just want to give the listeners a break from this uh, audio that I have this week. So uh, apologies, it's not tip-top shape. So I shall chat to to, the two of you next week and to everyone else uh, then too. So enjoy the game tomorrow, guys. I'll chat to you later. Thanks. Take care, Anna. Take Safe care. travels. So uh, we're back to just the two of us. How romantic. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
there we go. Well done. The, the secret producer. He's dropped off and he's yeah. he's doing it from remote locations, <laughs> uh, co-opting my job. But um, yeah, so I I was not only because of the obvious. Um, you know, as, as people that have to talk about this stuff, or don't have to, we enjoy talking about this stuff at least once a week. Um, having Beal uh, as the manager has been a delight. Um, so above and beyond that, I, to me, as with every managerial change, it introduces risk, you know, so good and bad from a, you know, what we care about from a Celtic perspective. Um, and I think he was so oddly um, incoherent in his, particularly this season, I, I, um, and I've, you know, gone back and forth with, with some Ranger supporters that I converse with on, uh, on Twitter about this. And I, I think the consensus was that he recruited to play kind of a narrow four, four, two diamond, or maybe a three, four, one, two, um, some version of that, but staying, you know, with some of the same principles that they had under Gerard, which is, you know, kind of the Christmas tree, narrow defending and, you know, some of those concepts. Um, and then for whatever reason, he just completely drove the car into the ditch <laughs> in this incoherent, you know, and I, I joked uh, with, with one of them today. I mean, uh, that, to me, that was epitomized by starting a game with Kamar Roof against Celtic as a right winger. And then when he made tactical shifts at halftime, put him in the number 10 position <laughs> instead of, you know, subbing people or putting an actual winger on or, you know, doing something coherent. Um, so yeah, it, it was, it, to me, it's unfortunate because. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It opens up the possibility of someone not being that ridiculously incoherent. And um, I think where you and I probably have some honest disagreement on is I, I think that their recruitment has at least been of a standard that if they get a coherent manager um that you know they're still close enough that just with normal variants uh, in a two-team race you know that that we wouldn't necessarily run away with things if they get coherent again i don't know enough about warnock i haven't tracked him historically that close i don't know any of the other rumored people that that uh other than the ones that are very unlikely to come. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, well, I was going to so, say, you you got to remember, like I said to you on Twitter, there's two markets here. There's, yeah. the, there's the deluded <laughs> people putting money on these ridiculous managers that are never going to go there. And then there's the real market, which is, you know, and listen, you know, we can laugh, we're laughing and joking, but this come end of the day, it comes down to money. It's simple as that. It comes yeah. down to money. Yeah. You know, who can they afford to get in? How much resources can they afford to give that person? On top of that, in terms of recruitment, that's what it's going to come down to. Well, but, you know, I, I, to, to your point, yeah. So, just your your point about you know the, the way of playing. I mean, we had this with Dyla, right? If you remember, Ronnie Dyla played uh, near Bitton and Scott Brown as a double pivot in in the SPFL, <laughs> and you and you sort of think, well, there is no re- there is literally no reason to do this. You, you know, there is zero. You, you know, you, it's, it's like belts and braces. You just don't need. But, but what, what Mickey ended up doing is actually playing three defensive midfielders in front of the back four. And actually, funnily enough, their defensive stats are easily the best in the league. Uh, but you, you're going to be, if you're if you're a dominant team over the rest of the league and you're playing three defensive midfielders in front of your back four, you're not going to give away a lot of chances. But the, the, prob- the problem is, is um, you know, being at the other end of the pitch. And, uh, you know, this is where I disagree with you slightly. I think the recruitment has been has been horrendous. I mean, if you remember the um, the overlap program that Enda and I were on before last season's mm-hmm. Scottish Cup semi final, and I and I put to Ali McCoist in that show, um, I said to him, you know, Celtic have got an inbuilt David Lowe says it's a fifteen million a year advantage, year after year after year after year, right? That's on top of the structural advantages, the um, the better trading models, success that Celtic have got, etc. Um, so it's a fantastic, in Scottish terms, it's, it's a huge advantage. So how do you overcome that? And McCoy didn't disagree with me, and he's just said, Rangers have to get the recruitment spot on. That's what he said. They have to get the recruitment spot on. And 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 Mickey, bless him, because you know for cost cutting reasons, the club had sacked a whole load of people. It was left to Mickey to do. The recruitment, scouting, and and all that, and and they've ended up with you know, and listen, this isn't me. This is as I said to you before we started. I've consumed an awful lot of Schadenfreude this week because why the hell not? It's great fun, but again, these are not my words. These are from the various um, delightful uh, blue podcasts that there are out there. Oh, such quality, um, you know. Desha's is, is is a disaster. What in theory, what they're saying, he's one of the worst signings they've ever made in their history. In fact, the all, of all the signings that they've made, the only one that gets past marks is Butland. Um, and, and the rest of them, they've pretty much written off. So that's not a Celtic fan saying that, that's that's their own supporters saying 
that they're you know now, now yeah. to your point about a new man would a new manager inherently be more coherent could he possibly be worse than than mickey well he's got to work with the players he's got and uh yep. you know yes they've had they've suddenly hit a lot of injuries in, in, into probably some of the better players to be fair um and so that may well improve, no doubt. And I completely take on board. I'm, I'm still sitting here. Once all the laughters, you know, we're all, we're all laughed out. I'm still sitting here like you, actually, thinking if they do get someone in who's coherent and we don't improve in any massively, which I think is probably not going to happen. I think we will improve. But I just don't see us creating enough chances at the moment to, to you know, be sure that we could uh, defeat a, a coherent uh, a, you know, coherent uh, team. So, um, I think there's still, you know, all 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 shits and giggles aside. I think there's still uh, there's still some genuine concern there if if they get somebody coherent in. Yeah, and I my my um you're right. So I I apply my dopey uh, attribution framework, and and when I've done that with them this season so far, I think that the um, by far the most um, material detriment has been. Beal, uh, meaning that, you know, I, I, I typically watch most of their games and analyze their games because again, what else are we going to analyze domestically? There's not too much other than, um, kind of peekaboo looks at some of the other teams, but as far as an actual threat for, for the league, uh, it's, it's, it's one team. So I pay some attention to them and, um, I, I, I could not, other than the, the Betis game, um, I have not seen them come out with a what I would consider a coherent setup and selection in lineup with that selection. Um, and, you know, he came out with, you know, an attacking front three played with a striker and two wingers and actually played two guys that have played wing. And they gave Bettis a good game. Um, and and that, that's I don't think he's been putting his players in positions that are at all coherent relative to their strengths and weaknesses to your point they're not you know it's the same struggles that we have which is um at the price level that we're shopping you're not going to get an off-the-shelf 26 year old or 25 year old um even out of a big five league which is where they kind of pulled these guys out of particularly the you know the higher priced ones um you know we, we see that with our people that we pick up they're maybe a step slow or they're maybe a little sloppy on the ball or their decision making might be off a little bit uh, you're not going to get that polished um uh finished product shopping in that price range in it with that career track um and i think he's been you know really misusing these players and putting them in the worst positions possible that actually highlight their weaknesses as opposed to what strengths they do have um, so that's where I, again, I'm not expecting it to happen. I just think that there's risk there that if you get someone that comes in and uses some of these guys more coherently, you know, we've discussed SEMA over time and I, I think SEMA has got a lot of positive attributes that could be used in a coherent way with, you know, some deficiencies, um, significant deficiencies as well. Um, but you know, it's that kind of thing that I, I, I worry about someone coming in, even, you know, again, I, I know this will get some uh, probably some chuckles, but even someone like Derek McInnes, you know what you're getting. He's going to be coherent in the way that he does things. I don't think he would be so ridiculous as to play Kimar Roof as a right wing or as a number 10. You know what I mean? Like it, and with the improved athletes that yeah. he would have at Rangers with his man marking and yeah. that kind of thing. Like I, I could see a material improvement in their ability to play just off of the, the manager not being a moron. 
Agreed, but I mean the the reason that you know Rogers and Postacoglu were successful was that wherever whatever club they'd been in, they looked to play possession dominant attacking football, and and if you're Celtic, that you have to play that way at home. Similarly, that's how they need to play. But they're looking at you know if if, if the again if the rumours are to be believed, the the people that are looking at you know whether it was Nathan Jones, uh, Neil Warnock, and I'm talking about the realistic ones here. I'm not talking about Gallardo and Clement and and uh, you know the guy Janston from AZ Altmar. I mean for Christ's sake, please have some self awareness about the realities of the world, right? You're you're really looking at that that market or the McInnes type market. These are all managers whose 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 skill set is is kicking, fighting, punching, screaming to try and get into a playoff place or to, to get away from the relegation zone, to not get a team to, to team relegated. Um, and that and, and to, to your point, I, I agree, any any sort of sensible coach would, would play Roof as your centre forward and probably, you know, use use SEMA better, etc. Um, but ultimately these are the managers that are in the frame that are realistic. In terms of money, remember, <laughs> bring back to money again, um, are not the type of manager that is is got really much experience setting up possession dominant, attacking, free flowing teams. In fact, quite the opposite in many respects. But again, the, the, they seem to be certainly as a fan base, they seem to be locked into this classic, which is, you know, to be fair, all clubs fans do of what was the what was the previous guy that we've just sacked crap at let's get somebody who's not that right so you know mickey wasn't a you know a staunch brogue wearing you know all that sort of cultural baggage so we need one of them or at least one of them in the in the in the sort of uh, in, in the management team etc you know he wasn't very experienced so we need someone who's experienced and, and has won things etc etc et so all all that nonsense but of course as we know you just need you just need the right person who's got the right skill set given given where you are as a club and the resources that you have available to you but um i mean you know that's why actually somebody like a Jesse March would probably be more of a sensible, sensible uh, shout than a. Than yeah, a, I, a, a sort of, I can't. I can't imagine Marsh walking. No, I, I can't imagine. The one name that worries me, even abstractly, which given all of that we know and what you um, uh, rightly and smartly point out relative to potential issues with the finance part of it, is, is what do you think? How would you feel about a Muscat appointment? From a from a competitive, assuming that he's, you know, plausible from a financial perspective. Yeah, I think it looks it looks kind of mixed. I mean, he's 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 no Ange, right? Let's be honest. Uh, but he's done a good job of taking Ange teams and sort of carrying the ball. Um, you know, so so fair, so fair play in 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 the environments that he's worked in, which is, you know, again. And therefore, he's had success. Does he deserve a shot at a European league? Of course, he does. Of course he does. You know, it's in the same same way that people sneered at Ange. I wouldn't sneer at Kevin Muscott in that regard. I don't. I don't know. Um, obviously, um, the first thing that Ange did was, you know, he got in players that, he, that we we got a rare eighteen months of synergy between you know manager and and uh, backroom uh, back backroom uh, team to bring in players that would fit the system that Ange wanted to play. They've just gone through that exercise. How many of those players could play effectively Ange ball or Muscat ball, if you like? Uh, <laughs> really, I mean, we saw that. Well, no, listen, we saw we saw that in in the game at Ibrox. You know, they don't have forwards that can press the ball particularly well. You know, the midfield 
are apart from you know Cantwell's probably main skill actually is is, is off the ball <laughs> pressing. Um, but you know Raskin, Lundstrom, Jack, no, I don't think so. So your midfield and your forwards are going to struggle to do the off ball elements. Similarly, your fullbacks are getting older. So again, I'm just quoting their own fans. You know, Taverni and Barisic, the yeah. legs are, are, are slowing down. Um, you know, they don't and they don't have a lot of pace at the back. So again, if you're going to push up and play a high line and squeeze the opposition, you know, Golson's got a good long pass in him. But you know, you need you need people to 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 move the ball, move the ball quickly. Again, is that really sort of Jack Lindstrom's main sort of skill set? So I think you yeah, I think Raskin could play that way probably. He's, he's he's very tidy, neat on the ball. But you're back to yes, Muscat. He probably deserves a chance, at a higher league, etc., bigger club. But will he get the players to play the way he wants to play? I don't think they're in the building. And how are they going to turn that squad over uh, with no money? With you know no money to to buy new players. So that that that's going to be a tough ask, right? Absolutely, and that's I, I raise him more so again. Abstractly thinking about this on a on a, on a scatter plot of risk and reward, <laughs> not not that it's likely to work out, but you know if the, if the issue is because um, he he would check the box as far as at least his style of play would be more attacking, so it would be less of that kind of you know uh, uh, staunch defending and you know that kind of the, the physicality aspect of it. Not that he wouldn't have that as well. I mean, I suspect <laughs> going into that environment, he might. Uh, play that part of it up uh, quite a bit as well. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't think um, that that's where we've I mean really have been outside of you know a, a, a two plus year uh, vignette interlude um, between Rogers and uh, Rogers. Uh, we've been spoiled in having you know really um, high end managers. Um, so it's it's not something that just comes kind of naturally and easily. Uh, so yeah, he, he's probably the one that seems relatively reasonable or plausible that I, I think would at least um, introduce more more risk into the equation. Not to say that it's going to work out, but I'd be more concerned that you know I could see a pathway there if if it were to happen. Um, let's look ahead. Are we are we done having fun? Or, or is that? Let's go back to the. <laughs> let's go let's go back to the you have to get back to listening to rangers podcast so we got to wrap this up here no, um, no, i think i'm done i think i'm done <laughs> well it's not, um, I'm, starting to, I'm starting to i'm starting to feel really grubby and, <laughs> and, un, and unhealthy um so we're, we're looking ahead tomorrow uh to, to lazio and I, I i sent out a thread when this group was announced that um this would be a um really a measuring stick for us and that this should be a group that you know if all things were firing that um we we should welcome as far as a champions league group and um currently lazio i think are 15th in in their uh in syria even be might even be 16th yeah 16th maybe and that's that's not a fluke meaning if you look at kind of their xg differential and you know, sometimes this early in the season, you get some fluky stuff where um, performance doesn't align with results, but they've pretty well earned that level in the table. Um, so what are your expect? I mean, to me, we're at home. This is, I would argue, not even the Lazio that we defeated um, twice several years back. That seems to be an iteration that's a notch below that. Um so what, what what are your thoughts on on the competitive matchup going into tomorrow? 
Yeah, listen, I mean, Celtic have got a, a chance, right? I mean, there's no, we're not, not going to pretend that this is a team in great form, like you said, quite the opposite. I mean, if you look at shots on target, chan- big chances created, um, all, all, all that XG, like you say, they're, 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 those things are they're running at about a, a half to a third the level of the teams at the top of the league. So they're, they're not in the position that they're in, as you say, by, by, by fluke. Um, you know, they're just not having a great season so far. I don't know if they've had a sort of, um, you know, whether their schedule's been tougher or what have you, but they're, they're in 16th place after uh, seven games. They've only got seven points. They've only scored uh, seven goals. So, and, and as I say, looking at the underlying data, I won't pretend that I've sat and watched them. Um, it looks like they deserve to be there. They're in, they're in the right place in the league. So um, that, that you know, if you if you said to, to us at the beginning of this campaign, you're going to play the 16th, team in Syria, you'd think, okay, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll take that. We'll, we've got a <laughs> please, chance please, here, please. Right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, listen, what are we going to get? They're a, they're, a, they're a Sari team, which means they're going to be pretty patient. They're going to be uh, looking to dominate the ball, right? But again, looking at, you know, what, where, where are they strong? Which parts of this pitch are they strong in? Which parts of the pitch do they not control? You know, they're, they're actually, they don't, this is going to be interesting. And this comes back to the conversation that we had earlier about Celtic's wing play because, you know, Lazio don't control the wide areas. Um, they don't seem to have, uh, or maybe they don't seek to. I think they, they try and seek to control the, the middle of the pitch. So whether actually this is a chance where the Celtic's wingers are going to have uh, you know, time and space. Or again, we go back, I go back to, could you play, as has worked well at Livingston, Maida and Kyogo almost as split strikers looking to, um, you know, an, uh, um, really exploit the wide areas whilst maybe having four in the middle to match them up where I think they'll they'll pack the middle areas. Um, they're not particularly strong going down the left by the looks of it and they're the they're right defence. Uh, so again, some people think that from Aida to, to potentially exploit. So, uh, you know, as a team, they don't, they don't even though they dominate possession, they're, they're even struggling to control key areas, key areas of the pitch this season. And I'm, I'm using Opta to do a really nice thing where, they, they 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 plot which teams have got control over which sort of segments of the of the pitch, uh, and I'll, I'll share that on Twitter or on a, on a blog maybe if I if I get the chance. So all 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 of the the the, the sort of fairly um, quick analysis that if you want to call it that that I've done so far suggests that you know we do we should have a, a good chance here, but I just worry that we're still a little bit half baked. Um, I think we're in a good place in many respects. In terms of, I think we're seeing a, a fairly contented, steely Rogers really settling into his his task. There seems to be a good sort of unity about the place. There's a good sort of uh, camaraderie determination amongst the players. Um, all of those non-performance things, if you want to call them that, all look to be positive. I think the um, Hopefully the, the injury list is starting to clear a little bit. Carter Vickers is at least back on the paddock in training. Um, if Phillips, you know, he's probably a little bit half baked, but he's he's at least got you know forty five minutes, uh, nearly well, 40, 40 minutes probably in the end on on uh, on the weekend there. And he's he's going to have to really step up to be fair. Um, so. You know, but again, I come back to: Can we create enough chances, and can we take those chances? Because Kyo has been brilliant in Scotland. Tends, he's, you know, he's not been quite as clinical in in, in European matches, and and really, 
at the moment, if O'Reilly doesn't break past the striker with a well-timed run into the box, or Kyogo doesn't do a bit of magic in the box, you don't see where Celtic are going to score at the moment. That's a that's a real concern. So that's why I say I'd be almost tempted to to do a four-two-four diamond to maybe have Turnbull in there. You know, Turnbull does call, does make things happen in the final third. Have me Maeda and um, Kyogo wandering, splitting. Kyogo coming short sometimes. Let let Taylor and Johnson provide that width. Taylor was excellent actually against Motherwell in the main. And he, he one of the you know he, he's he, you know he's not the quickest, but he does have energy. He does get up and down. And he was actually making quite a lot of progressive runs more than normal against uh, against Motherwell. And Johnson, we know that he has got that sort of engine as well. So. I still, th- I still think that that could work for this game. I think we should go in there um, hopeful, which is awful. I'm now going to be so disappointed. <laughs> but you know, I think we've got a we've got, we've got a decent chance of getting something out of it. Yeah. Again, to me, this this um, we very much should win this game, and that's from a um, uh, a conceptual framework, right? Meaning that if you just look at the profile of us as a club and where Lazio is right now, uh, and I would argue the way they play. So I'll give, I'll throw out a stat here uh, as an example. So um, to your point, you know, they are you know, a little more possession, but they're very kind of methodical possession uh, with, with sorry ball. Um, and defensively, they're not intense. So they're not a high pressure, high intensity um, side, which again, given our issues right now, particularly in the back line, um, I think that would be favorable. So, uh, if you just quantify that, Y Scout has a something called challenge intensity, which is basically the number of duels, tackles, and interceptions per minute of opposition possession, right? So, it kind of normalizes the how much you're actually defending and how active you are in defending in that window of time. Um, and they are third to last in Syria. Uh, the only two teams, Cagliari and Sassuola, are, are less intense by that metric this season, and they were second to last last year. So th- this is not a team that's going to come out most likely and just, you know, um, anywhere near even with Feyenoord, what they were as far as their intensity in, in um, challenging us um, proactively. So, um, yeah, so, if, you know, it's relative to building out from the back and, um, getting some possession and being able to create something. Um, but this is where we go back to the conversation from the rest of the show, which is even with that, do we have the the wing play and the midfield composition at this point um, to be able to create those chances for Kyogo in particular? And it, this, this goes back to um, one of the areas of concern so far, and you mentioned it, I'm just going to throw some uh, numbers on it. So Kyogo has been getting about the same amount of shots as the average last season, for example. Um, but his XG is about 60%. Um, so he's, he's down a huge amount, not only in average quality, but, um, you know, just generally what, what the attacking output has been uh, nice, picked it up on some of the creative stuff and dropping and being involved in built up. But, um, yeah, we, it, 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 at this stage, we need him to be scoring <laughs> uh, against these kind of uh, teams. So that's that's going to be a big concern. Um, so yeah, let, let's let's hope. I mean, I, that's I, I think um, it'll be interesting to see what the selection is and at the center back position. Um, that's probably the biggest uh, question mark going into the game, and then um, how he ends up going with the wing position. Um, I suspect Palma with Maeda would be my guess, but 
Um, if unless he goes with the you know four four two like you're mentioning, which I, I'd be open to as well. Um, but again, I think it'll be interesting to see whether they make that kind of structural change because for the most part he hasn't so far. He's he's been tweaking things, but we haven't seen any of that Rogers esque you know kind of wholesale shifts in in a position out of, outside of being down a man, <laughs> which he's very adept at. Um, so, and, and any last thoughts as we head into, as we wrap up on our hour here? So, so who would you pick? Would you, would you, would you, would you keep Bain and go? <sighs> Probably not. I mean, I, you know, I, I get the, I, I think making that kind of a switch at this point would probably introduce more potential disruptive um, energy, shall we say, than, than the potential uptick in performance. I, I probably not. Um, I could see the argument, but I, I'd probably stick with, with heart. Um, I'm not saying it's going to work out well, but <laughs> you know, as far as kind of the risk reward, um, I, I'd probably stick with, with heart. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I just think that the, the chances of heart being found out because of the, the aggressive risks that we talked about and it happened against Feyenoord, right? Yep. So the chances of it happening again to me are high and whereas Bain's more likely just to do something stupid, I just think <laughs> his overall athleticism and, and speed, um, yep. you know, and he looked confident to me on on, on Saturday. He looked, he looked comfortable in himself. He played with confidence. He came out he actually did take a few high balls uh, well. Um, he made a few good saves. People forget it was under Rodgers that you know, Bain took Gordon's place. And Bain, and, and I remember, still remember the piece I did on it because I was thinking, you know, is this, you know, is, is this Rodgers being Marty at perceived lack of Gordon being good with his feet? And no, actually it wasn't. It was genuinely the right decision. It was across all the metrics. It was the right decision to make. Um, I know that was a few years ago, but you know, Rogers is the sort of manager that can make a player feel yep. ten foot tall, etc., and, and, and confident. So, I, I I don't know. I'm I'm not trying to be provocative, but but I, my honest opinion is that I would I would actually keep Bain in. I, I would. I, I would, this game. I I think that's 100 percent reasonable. I mean, that, to me, it's a coin flip mm. type of thing. Um, so I think that the 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 risk part of it is independent of Bain's performance. We could lose this game four nil at home. Right. I mean, we just have enough um, lingering issues that that kind of result would not shock me. I mean, that's not my base case, but, you know, a couple of bad errors by Scales and or Lagerbilka or, you know, um, Hatate giving the ball away centrally when and built, you know what I mean? Like there's plenty of or, or Bain or Hart, like just um, uh, throw a couple of bad mistakes in there and it could be a, a bad scoreline. And I, my issue is, you know, if that happens and he picks Bain, he, Bain's going to get slaughtered and Rogers is going to get slaughtered. It, it, it's so to me, it's like, what's the risk reward upside if I'm if I'm Rogers, given you know what the competitive dynamics of this game are, um, and I'd probably be a chicken and pick <laughs> pick Hart. <laughs> um, but I, I agree with like analytically. I agree with you that Bain probably does give us a better chance to win the game or get a result on the margin. I mean, I think it's probably on the margin um, because Hart does introduce that, you know, bigger mm -hmm. chance of a risk. 
I mean, I mean, the reason that I don't think he will play is just your point. So, if you remember, Lagerbielkill is actually suspended, so um, oh, that's right. Phillips will have yep. to play. So, so given yep. given you've got another centre back pairing, that probably suggests you don't introduce another change at goalkeeper. I suspect that, and I suspect that that might be a factor in in Hart at least providing that continuity of, of having somebody in your regular back five, <laughs> right? At least well, at least three three players out of five being being regulars as it were so yeah philip phillips is going to play i suspect because uh that's why he came on <laughs> who else is left it's iwata it's iwata and that's it uh, that is it i mean that's the other option in 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 um in 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 the 442 is that you bring iwata in and you push mcgregor on one and maybe tati onto 10 neither of those are good options to me i don't mind iwata coming in but i think pushing mcgregor to eight and tati to 10 Neither of those are good things. Um, so, but just an, another thought. But uh, yeah, listen, I don't know. I think I think Rogers is still kind of growing into into this, and like you say, we've not really seen anything too radical from him in terms of, and he's he's really come to life when we've been like a, a player short. I think we saw we saw a really, I thought, a very effective performance in the first half against Feyenoord. I think he really showed that very that, much know, so. What 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 a well coached team Celtic could be, even being diminished, um, and I think we'll see the same tomorrow night. I'm hopeful. I just I just what what I'm fearful of actually most fearful of really is that we actually are a little bit too safe and we just don't create enough chances and we leave points on the on the park again. That's that's right. in my mind. I think you know we, I'm not we, we shouldn't underestimate this team, but similarly you know they're league table is a pretty accurate reflection of where they are at the moment so it's just striking that right balance between attack and and being being solid and protecting especially scales uh and, and, and phillips because he hasn't played much uh, at the back well and it, even during roger's first tenure our issues in europe generally speaking d- despite the the legend of the lopsided results at barcelona and psg it was actually chance creation um mm. against you know the life the the the, the red bull uh, contingent that we played uh valencia um zenit i mean we, we struggled to get you know even a, approaching one in xg in a lot of those games um so yeah i, I agree with you it, it's um you know wh- whether or not we can get because I, I don't think we're going to get a high volume of chances I, I think it's more so we, we might get a couple of really high quality ones on you know, those channel balls down through with Maeda and or Kyogo, that kind of thing. And then hopefully they finish them. I mean, that, that's, we get one or two of those and then hopefully we can, um, you know, button it up and <laughs> batten down the hatches and, and get, get the results. So, well, um, we've, we've gone over our hour here. Hope everyone enjoyed the, uh, the Alan Morrison um, uh, show with, with dunking on Michael Beal. Uh, we've been looking forward to it for months. It came way too early. Uh, we were hoping to get another full season out of it, but uh, we appreciate everyone listening and watching. Uh, if you can hit the subscribe button and like uh, if you're watching on YouTube or if you can leave a review on iTunes or Spotify, we'd appreciate it. Um, enjoy the game tomorrow. And I don't know if we'll be back later this week. Maybe maybe, maybe just Alan and I might hop on later in the week to uh, um, review the Lazio game. If not, we'll be back next week. Uh, take care.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.